coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 29th of January, 2023. Fishers of Men. You ever have a bad day at work? I mean, things just don't go right. We're going to jump in on life in the, in the New Testament of some men whose day went not well. And that day was going to be a turnaround day for them. They didn't know it that day, but life was going to be different from then on. And it's a story that Tom read for us, and we follow along in Luke chapter 5. It's found in other Gospels too, but the longest, uh, most complete uh, account is found in Luke chapter 5. If you want to turn back there for a moment, while we spend some time looking about being fishers of men. When we stop for a minute, we, we realize that the men that Jesus talked to that day, Peter and Andrew and James and John and Zebedee and we don't know, maybe others as well. He comes across them as they're working on their nets, having been out all night fishing. Now, I've teased Frank on many occasions. Sorry, Frank. I, I tell him, don't ever go fishing. Go catching. Going fishing doesn't mean you bring back anything. Well, they went out fishing, and they had fished all night, and now they were working on their nets as they were had pulled their boats to shore. And they... Uh, were sitting there and probably commiserating because as we join the story, Jesus asked to use their boat. He then talks to the group of people that has surrounded them and he's there at, at the Sea of Galilee, northern area Sea of Galilee. And when he finishes speaking to them, he turns to Simon and he says, Simon, put out into the deep, let your nest down for a catch. And Simon says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now these are not inexperienced fishermen. These aren't people who just went out on a holiday to go and go fishing had some time off from work. No, this was work. This is what they did for a living. They come back with no fish. They make no money. And so fishing was something that they had been trained to do, that they had practiced doing time and time and time again. And this time, they had nothing. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Now you can almost see it in your mind's eye, Peter going, 
Really? Pick up the nets that were they were working on, put them back into the boat, push back off the shore, and all the time thinking, I just came in from hours and hours and hours of doing this. We got zip. But we'll do it. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on. You will be catching men. And the idea there is gathering them in, gathering them in. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The line that we use for the sermon title is a little more succinct and more to the point. It's found in Matthew. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Now, this is the beginning of our contact with these men and Jesus. From this point on, they were going to become part of that group of disciples that were going to follow Jesus through his ministry. And there's not too many references then about them fishing again until we get to the end of Jesus' ministry. He'd gone to the cross, been buried, rose again, met with his disciples in the upper room, and he says, I'll see you in Galilee. And so they traveled to Galilee, and while they were waiting for Jesus, this is the area that they knew so well, and we see in John 21, another account of fishing. It says they were at the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. And there was Simon and Thomas and Nathaniel and Zebedee and others, the disciples gathered. And Simon Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out into the boat. But that night they got nothing. Just like at the beginning of the ministry with Jesus, they had another night when all their expertise, all their training meant nothing. And he says, as the day was breaking, Jesus stood, verse 4, on the shore. 
Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? <laughs> they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Sound familiar? The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, put on his outer garment, for he stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish, for they are not far from land, about a hundred yards off. So we have these two accounts, one at the beginning of the ministry with Jesus of Peter, and another one at the end um, before Jesus is about to go into heaven, caught up into heaven. But he says, I follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Being fishers of men. And I don't believe this call was just for Peter. I think it was handy for him to use these words because they were fishermen. At other times, he talks to them about being harvesters. The field is white under harvest. Go out, send the laborers out into the field. There's different pictures that he uses, but let's stick with the, this fishing one. And we're not talking about, you know, using Loomis's rods here. We're talking about someone who fishes because it's commercial fishing. They're using nets and they're trying to gather in a great amount of fish. So I'm going to give you some principles about us following Peter in being fishers of men. The first one is this. Believers are to do the fishing. That's what he says. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We are to be fishers. We are to do the fishing. Jesus brings the fish. And you go, what? Why did you say it that way? Just the, as the two examples that we see here of Peter fishing, he certainly had the skills, he had the abilities, he put his time, he put his energy into it, and he got zero. But when the Lord said, put your nets in now, one time he said, put it on the right side, or put your nets in, and then the fish, they couldn't contain the fish. And the principle is this. Believers are doing fishing, and Jesus brings the fish. Our responsibility is to be about the business of fishing, but if we're going to fish for men, and we're to gather them in, and again, the picture is one of evangelism and salvation, we're to do that, we're not dependent in bringing in the fish other than to do the fishing. 
the ones that the Lord brings. And that takes a lot of, of the pressure off of us because we go about doing what we're supposed to be doing and whatever the Lord allows us to bring in is of his doing. That's what he does. We see a couple of principles drawn from other analogies. One is John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We can say, well, I've got all the skills. I've got all the ability. I've got all the talent. I've got all the tools. What am I missing? He says, you're missing me. You're missing me. I'm the one who does the work. You can go out and do the fishing. I bring the fish. And you go, well, I still don't know if I th think you're right there. Listen to John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him. In other words, you may do the fishing, but unless I bring the fish, you're not going to catch anything. It's going to be the work of the Lord. Second principle is we fish better together. We fish better together. Now, in our culture, and especially for sport fishing, we think of, where are you going fishing? I'm not going to tell you. Why? I've got a fishing hole. I don't want to share it with you. How many have said that or done that? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a cooperative endeavor. Now, I realize he's not talking about a fish, fish in Ephesians 4, but you'll get the principle in Ephesians 4, 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold three cord is not quickly broken. And just instead of just drawing the principle out of Ecclesiastes, I just want to call your attention to something. When we see in Scripture how Jesus did ministry, he did it often in pairs. We have Andrew and Peter, of course, fishing, and James and John. But when we get later on, and after the church is established, who goes out? Is it Paul? No, it's Paul and Barnabas, then Paul and Silas. We see them going in multiples. And even when Jesus was here on earth and doing ministry, he called the 12 in Mark chapter 6 and began to send them out 
one by one. No, then what the text says, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. You say, well, what's the advantage of having more than one person involved in the same endeavor? The advantage is this. We have different skill sets. We have different temperaments. We have different gifts. And when we're together, those things complement each other to do ministry. Some people are shy, and others are not. <laughs> And you put those two together, one might take the lead in, in being the speaker, but the other one's there to pray and encourage and build them up and come along maybe around the outsides of, of what ministry is doing and, and they work together. Jesus knew this. He sent them out two by two. But again, we have different skills, don't we? different temperaments, different gifts, as I said. And they begin to be complementary as we do ministry. The other thing about being multiple people involved in being fishers of men is even when they're not together, they complement each other. We've been involved in doing some of that here already. And one person will talk to this person. Then somebody else will talk to this person. And then somebody else will talk to this person. And it's coming from different angles, from different people, but they're all saying the same thing. Talking to them about Jesus. And there's another aspect that I'd like for you to think about. It's found in John 13, 34 and 5, when Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room, and this is very familiar to you, I am sure. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And you go, yeah, I've heard that somewhere before. But listen to what he says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One of the hardest things to do when it comes to other people is to always get along. You ever notice that? Because we don't all see eye to eye. So how we demonstrate love to one another is a testimony that Jesus says is sharing what it means to be a follower of Christ. In this case, if we have a corporate ministry of several people sharing the faith and they can see that we get along even though we are different with different personalities, 
all the things we just talked about. But we can still get along okay. Or if we have disruption in our harmony, one with another, that we can make it right and because we love one another, then that becomes a powerful witness. I was listening to Laura Schlesinger one time on the radio. She sort of dropped off <laughs> the networks and all, but she would give testimony about how to deal with different subjects and everything. And if she had somebody, she mentioned, if I have a family member that I don't get along with, I cross them out. I don't have anything to do with them anymore. And you go, well, I know that that is certainly our inclination sometimes. But when we're talking within the body of Christ and we're talking about being fishers of men, we're talking about living together, loving one another. So we fish better together. Now this next one should catch you not at all by surprise. Skillful fishing comes from preparation and practice. You got to be prepared. You know, Simon, when he was working on his nets and Jesus said, I want you to go out, out into the deeper part of the lake and I want you to throw your nets over the side. If he had pushed off and gone out to the center of the lake and goes, wait a minute. Left my nets back on shore. How much fishing am I going to get done? Or if he goes and pushes his boat off the shore, starts moving out to deep water and find out that the boat is sinking and we're not catching any fish. It's just sinking. That's not a good thing either, right? So it comes for preparation and then practice. We'll talk about that in a moment. So here's some aspects that I was thinking about. You might think of some others. The first one is live a life of humble obedience to Christ. If we want someone, if we want to be winsome to someone, they've got to see that there's some value in our life that is worth pursuing. So we live a life of humble obedience. That's something we haven't said a word yet. What we're talking about is our walk with Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're not following. It's hard to be a fisher of men. The second one, it, it almost goes without saying, but it's not going to go without saying because I'm going to say it. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. If truly being a fisher of men and understanding that we are called to be fishers, but Jesus brings the fish, we better be asking the Lord to bring the fish. Prepare our hearts. Prepare the hearts of those that we're going to see and who we're going to talk to, the ones we're going to be with. The third one is 
a follow-up to fishing together, live in loving relationships with fellow believers. Part of our, our fishing is in the groundwork, and I realize I'm mixed metaphor here, but in the, in the preparation by living in loving relationships with others because we're together in this. The fourth one, we've got to know the gospel. If we don't know how to fish at all, it, it involves a matter of knowing the gospel. In the bulletin, I didn't check this week, but I think it's there. It says, new life in Christ is available to each person. I must confess that I'm a sinner, that I've run my life in active rebellion or passive in resistance to the revealed will of my creator. I must believe that without intervention of Jesus Christ as Savior, I await the consequence of eternal separation from my creator. And I must accept Jesus Christ's gracious, sacrificial payment on my behalf and make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. Do you have to use those words? Absolutely not. But you better know the essence of the gospel if you're going to be fishers of men. Got to know the good news. Now, just for your encouragement so that we don't weight you down too much, Remember that when the thief on the cross was there with Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me. And he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, you got to put your faith in me. You got to trust in my salvation, my sacrificial. He didn't say it. The heart was already prepared. You need to know the gospel because if you're going to share you got to have something that you know to share. My suggestion for preparation is that you prepare your testimony. How did you come to Christ? And the reason I share, I, I list that as an element is because that's the handiest personal expression of your faith. How did you come to Christ? What does that mean to you? What kind of changes came about when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? That's what you're calling me to do. What does that mean to you? And you can share that in your testimony. If you've never prepared a testimony, I would encourage you to do so. Get it written down. Do it on one page if, if you can. And then at least memorize the points. If not, the whole thing word by word so that you could just share it. Prepare your testimony. Skillful fishing comes from preparation and practice. Have you ever shared your faith with somebody? Now, I'm not going to ask for your hands, no. And the camera isn't, it's pointing at me anyway. It's not pointing at you. So it's not going to be recorded. But I tell you, the first few times I shared my faith, 
I'm a Bible student. And then I was a seminarian. And the old heart starts fluttering and you get a little nervous. Why? Because you're probably thinking more about you and your expression than about their, them and their heart being lost. And so you get nervous about that thing. But the more that you share it, the more you realize that that's born within and not necessarily coming from others. I very rarely have had someone reject a testimony that I've shared with them. And if I've asked them, do you have something I could be praying about for you? Almost every time, not every time, but almost every time somebody says, sure, I'd really appreciate it if you prayed about Which brings us to the next point. Fishers of men need to be where, where the fish can be found. <laughs> okay. If we were going fishing for fish, we wouldn't book a trip to the middle of the Sahara. Right? We wouldn't. Where we, The very least we do is find some shoreline. And if we got a boat, all the better. We'd push out and go fishing for fish where fish are. Now, for those that are hiding their secret holes fishing, you go, I know exactly where to go. But the point is, unbelievers need to be with us. And we with them. If I said, Lord, make me a fisher of men and I never leave my house and I never invite anybody over, how many unbelievers am I going to see? And if my mission is to get into Walmart, get those two items, get through checkout and get home. Okay, guys, I'm talking to you. The gals, they're spending time going around. But anyway, You say, I've got to stop and interact with people. If I don't interact with people, I won't know who the believers are and who the unbelievers are. We need to be interacting with unbelievers. Paul, as he writes to his young son in the faith in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and chapter 2, he says this about being Lord's servant. He said, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. Who brings the fish? God grants them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And the reason I brought up this verse, because that word captured by Satan is the same word that the Lord uses when he says, I want you to capture men. 
And those are the only two places it's used in the New Testament. He says, Satan has rounded them up and they are in his fold. And he says, what I want you to do is round them up and bring them to the Lord. <coughs> Somewhere along the line, we do, first of all, our best fishing together, bouncing off one another, living the life, people watching, observing, seeing what we're like, how we interact with others. As someone says, before we ever give them the words of the song, we want them to appreciate the music. And so what we do is we live the life in front of them that's someone appealing to them. And they go, why are you the way that you are? And you go, it's time for the words. Romans 10 talks about this. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you would be saved. By the way, if you need a little outline for the gospel, there it is. It's repeated over and over in scripture. There's another example. He says, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But what about our responsibility? Because we're talking about us being fishers then. He goes down a couple more verses and he says this in Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or proclaiming? And how are they to preach or proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word Christ. Got to share the truth if we're going to gather the fish. My goal in, in sharing these things with you is that we would do the job of fishers of men. Not just to talk about it. I mean, we could talk about it. The sermon's over. It's, you know, time to go home. I got lunch cooking, you know. And you go, well, what was that message about? I don't know, something about... Nets and I don't know, something. Or are we going to talk about the call on our life? Peter was changed when the Lord came to him. And so was Andrew. And so was James. And so was John. They had seen what the Lord could do. 
And when he says, don't worry about fishing, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm sure their thinking was, I don't know exactly what that means, but okay. I see what the Lord can do. Are you interested in being a fisher of men? The Lord has called you to be one. Here's some thoughts, and I'm just talking now. If you would like to participate corporately in evangelism, we're going to do a couple things. First of all, short order, not this Sunday because I didn't get it printed yet, but I'm going to put out some forms for you to fill out again so that we have a church directory that will be available so that you can call one another and know who's, who's who and what's what. And if you don't want to participate, just don't fill out the information. I'll still know, but I'm, no. <laughs> but anyway, and then we'll compile that and then hand it out. And one of the things that we need to do is be encouraging one another. And then take it the next step and say, where are you fishing? This is one of those times where you share your fishing hole. Okay? In other words, who are you angling for, if you will? Who do you want to see come and know the Lord? Who do you bump into on a regular basis? And if you don't bump into anybody, maybe you need encouragement in getting out and bumping into people. And we can help and encourage in that. So the first thing we do is collect names and addresses of those that come so that we have a directory so that we can mutually encourage one another. And then we go from there to say, who can I partner with to share the faith with those that are in my circle of influence. Not everybody is going to share in everybody else's circle of influence. But maybe there's some other some people that you know in common with somebody else. And you both can be praying for this person, both sharing in their life, and then sharing with one another how things are going so that we can be involved in mutual ministry and sharing the faith. The Lord has called us to be fishers of men. But I tell you this, I don't want to just be a fisher of men. I want to be a catcher of men. <laughs> I want to see the Lord um, bless our labors and see family members, Friends and neighbors, acquaintance, fellow workers come to know Jesus Christ as Savior because eternity is in the balance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story, this account, this real experience of these men along the Sea of Galilee who confronted with a life-changing event and they, when Jesus called them to follow, they followed and they became fishers of men. Calls on our life as well 
told us to be making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that you have commanded. It's a call on our life. May we do it together. To your honor and glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.